Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Store, a podcast made especially for Utah's castle country. I'm your host, Oren Stainbrook, and my guest today is Joshua Nielsen from the Utah State Tax Commission. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me today, Josh. I really appreciate it. You have to tell me, like, I understand the castle country kind of incorporates that area, but like, where did that come from? Yeah, so I wanted to make a podcast that would focus on local issues happening in my area. I live in Carbon County, so I'm primarily focused for now on just what's going on here in the county, but I didn't want to be limited to just this area. Uh, I think, you know, southeast Utah, there's a lot of things that these rural counties all have in common. So Castle Country kind of is a little bit more more broad than just Carbon County. We do have a lot of organizations and nonprofits here that service other counties as well, like Emory and Grand Counties. Uh, also, our our districts for the state House and Senate are they're different areas that are overlapping, but our Senate district, for example, encompasses most of Southeast Utah. So, yeah, for now and uh, getting started, I'm just trying to focus on the hyper local. But I don't didn't want to limit myself, uh, so it's more of a, a podcast that's intended to cover Southeast Utah in general, uh, because you know these counties out here we've got a lot of things in common. It's we've got a shared shared culture, a shared climate. Once you get over the the mountains coming from the valley, you know it's it's just just a bit of a, a different world out here. So. That was my intention anyway. Uh, Castle Country seemed like the best the best way to describe the area and sum it up since that is loosely defined. Yeah, do you know where do you know where the term castle came from? I think it's just a reference to the rock formations around here in in the book cliffs and these mountain ranges out here in the southeast Utah desert. Uh, resembling old castles and castle ruins in Europe. I know at least the town that I live in, Kenilworth, was named for an old English castle. I think, you know, by the time the the immigrants came here from England, Kenilworth Castle was already in ruins. So the the rock formations in the cliffs uh, that surround the town reminded them of Kenilworth Castle. Nice. Okay. So, Josh, part of my intention in doing this podcast is it's kind of just an excuse for me to educate myself and learn about what's going on locally, to meet interesting people and get to have conversations with them, to get a better understanding of how government works. So, you know, I've never really had an interest in government before at any point in my life uh, or (laughs) any interest in taxes that that for sure was was never uh, something that I paid attention to, but uh, now now that I'm a property owner for one thing uh, and getting involved in what's happening in my local community, I'm starting to pay attention and wanting to learn more about it and educate myself. So hopefully you can kind of dumb things down for me a little bit and make you know explain things to me like I'm five, put it into plain English so that. I can understand and also anyone else that's listening who's at my same level can also understand. So, you know, let's just start with with the basics. Like, can you just tell us what even is the state tax commission? What is its purpose and its function in government? Right. Okay. Um, The Utah State Tax Commission, um, 
is comprised of, you know, within it, we have, we kind of just did some reorganization and we have four, uh, what we call functional areas. And those areas are customer service, property, miscellaneous tax, tax and revenue and enforcement. And underneath each one of those areas, you're going to have different divisions. So under enforcement, you're going to have motor vehicle enforcement, DMV, uh, under tax and revenue, that's going to be, you know, mainly your income sales tax, uh, income tax, education, things like that. Under customer service, that's where they kind of stuck the DMV customer service, special services, collections. Um, and then under property miscellaneous tax, we have called centrally assessed. Uh, we have certified tax rates, personal property, uh, miscellaneous taxes, um, severance tax, and property tax. So we just kind of have a, a bunch of different things that we do underneath property tax. And I am the director of the property tax group. Um, and so I, I do have a few groups underneath me. But the tax commission as a whole is an agency that uh, is you know, put together, obviously, for tax purposes. And their goal and our goal is to um, make compliance easier. We've had a, a, a renewed sense of wanting to provide great customer service. I know that's been one of uh, Governor Cox's um, initiatives that he's put out there is that we need to be more customer friendly uh, oriented. And we've kind of made some shifts in what we've done lately to try to provide that to enhance the customer experience um, through innovation and leveraging technology to provide you know, instead of trying to be a regulatory agency where we're just out there trying to catch people not following tax laws, we would like to educate them, assist them, and help them find ways in which they can be compliant with the law. Now, that's an initiative that our property tax group has been pushing for many years now. And so that's always been our goal is that we want to foster um, quality assistance, cooperative um, oversight for the counties and work with them to help them, you know, foster their own independence. We want them to be able to do their jobs on their own and do that because we've educated them and assisted them and then let them, let them run, let them do their thing. So, um, you know, feel free to stop me at any time because I could probably talk for a long time and I'm not sure what is relevant and what isn't. Um, underneath, yeah, underneath property tax. So uh, there's, well, quite a bit. Uh, we have a centrally assessed group, um, also known as we call it like state assessments. Um, underneath that, there that's where we do a lot of the uh, appraisal work of um, mines, oil and gas, utilities, those things that are across the whole state. Um, that's the, the state statute dictates that that's done at the state level. Um, anything that you know, a company that crosses. Uh, county lines in order to make it more fair and equitable. Um, we, we perform the assessment and then provide that to the counties. So, you know, your uh, Rocky Mountain Power, Pacific Corp, uh, airlines, those kind of things, pipelines. And then, you know, obviously, like I said, the mines, coal mines, oil and gas wells, which are, you know, obviously big down there in Castle Country. So we, we do those assessments and then we provide that, that appraisal, that value to the county. And then they send that out. So we have a group that does that. We have um, groups that do personal property audits, business audits for the counties to assist them. Um, we have a group that assists the counties in setting tax rates and um, helping with you know truth and taxation and whether or not entities can increase taxes. Uh, the groups that I oversee are um, 
I have three managers. One of them uh, is over mineral and severance tax, which probably isn't relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, I have a manager that oversees our education department. And what they do is provide um, classes and assistance to all the counties, um, uh, the assessor's offices, and their employees to help them become licensed appraisers. And so uh, they teach, I think they taught over 50 classes this year. And a lot of these classes range from one to two day classes to week long classes. So they're busy all the time in providing education and assistance to the counties, not only to try and focus specifically on their job duties, but also to help them meet the division of real estate requirements to become licensed appraisers. Um, and then we have another group that we call our county rep group and our real property group. And within that group, they're assigned to assist the counties as a whole, but they do uh, focus a lot with the assessor's offices in helping them be compliant. Um, what can we do to assist you, to help you understand your job, timelines of when things are supposed to be submitted. Um, and then they, we do perform what we call as a sales ratio study every year that the county has to be compliant with to ensure that they're keeping things as fair and equitable. Um, so that's, you know, we can go into detail that later if you'd like. I got three, I got great managers. Um, they, they run their groups really well. They, they care about their jobs. They care about assisting counties and understanding that not only do we serve and try to assist the counties, but our job is to assist the taxpayers. Our job is to make sure the counties are providing a fair and equitable tax assessment and tax um, you know, process for the taxpayers in each of their counties. And you know, we want to make sure that the counties are being compliant with the law so the taxpayers are treated as fair as they can be based on that. Well, thanks for explaining all that and giving us a kind of bird's eye overview of what the state tax commission does and what your work is all about. That really helps to give us some context to this conversation. We'll talk more about this later. Uh, but I, I did want to ask, since you just mentioned this, uh, about the, the training and education that you provide to county assessors, I'm wondering, theoretically, is it possible that an assessor could be elected without any previous training or certification? Um, I, I mean, is that a requirement to be elected to office? Or in the case of someone getting elected without that training, is that something that you would work with them to provide early on in their term? Um, it depends on the size of the county. Um, the larger counties, uh, you are required to be licensed when you apply and run for all. Um, our, our smaller counties, um, there's, you know, there's just a few of them that would uh, qualify under this, but they're allowed to run without a license. And I think the main reason for that would be is that, you know, finding licensed appraisers in those counties is difficult. And, once they, if they were to run and get elected, they would have three years to become licensed under the Division of Real Estate. And so we work with them to provide those courses um, and make sure that they're prepared and they know and they can take the test in time if they, you know, they put in that work. So we, we do deal with that occasionally and we uh, you know, assist them to do that. And if they're not licensed after three years, the law states that they're automatically um, removed from office. Okay, so as far as our current Carbon County Assessor Gillen Bishop is concerned, he was recently elected and and uh, has been serving for almost three years now. As as far as I understand, he did previously already have his license uh, to to be a real estate appraiser, 
but from what I understand, he wasn't certified to do commercial real estate appraisals. And it sounds like that is where part of the problem lately has come from is some some disputes or discrepancies over his work and adjustments that he has made to commercial real estate values. Uh, so has he been able to access training through you all to better do commercial property work or is that something that he still needs to complete before he's able to to effectively do that part of the job yes and so um gillen is a licensed appraiser um, when he took office he was uh, he's he's more than competent in appraisal work he's very knowledgeable about appraisal theory and and different things so um, he does have that background um now coming in uh one thing to i guess understand is that fee appraisal and mass appraisal are very different and that most of the private world, uh, most of the people that get licensed are getting licensed to do fee work and uh, private work. And that is uh, kind of a singular appraisal where somebody will come out and do an appraisal on your home. And it's very individual based. Um, Mass appraisal is what we see uh, for property tax purposes. And you're, you know, you're making mass adjustments. You're looking at neighborhoods as a whole. Um, and a lot of times you don't get down to individual homes unless there's an appeal involved at that point. You know, try to look at it and look at the process and say, did my mass appraisal process work for this individual home? And if not, what adjustments do we need to make to work with the taxpayer to stipulate, to lower the value? So there is that, that distinction and difference. And so a lot of people that, even though they do come in licensed, uh, there is some education that needs to take place in order to understand how do I run, just as you, you know, trying to learn about government. How do I learn how government works? How do I, you know, run a, an assessor's office? What are the timelines of when things are due? And it's not as simple as just saying, hey, I understand appraisal. I can go out and appraise some homes and just put a value on it because, you know, appraising all values in Carbon County and the, all the parcels that there are in one year isn't really doable. You have to do it in mass. Um, so Gillen, Gillen does have that experience of coming in as a fee appraiser. Um, like I said, very knowledgeable. Uh, in order to do commercial appraisals at the state level, um, and even um, in fee, in the fee world, you have to be uh, designated or certified a certified general appraiser. Uh, it's a accreditation that's given by the Division of Real Estate that uh, they found you competent to do more complex properties, commercial properties, every, things that are not residential. And so you, the way division of real estate works is that you get licensed and to do licensed, you can do residential work. You can also receive a certified residential, which means you're kind of like an expert in residential. You've kind of gone beyond the license, just the regular license and become certified. And then you can take the next step and become a certified general, which means they, they find you credible to do all properties. Now, even within that, um, anytime you get a property that you're not familiar with, that should be disclosed. You know, there's so many wide varieties of commercial properties that um, you may not be an expert in all of them and that you are required to either um, refuse an assignment or take the necessary steps to become knowledgeable in that specific you know property and so uh with doing mass appraisal for the state um just like you are um, with the fee world you can't do commercial work unless you are designated or certified to do that and right now uh mr bishop is not 
Um, and so that is one of the things that we just pointed out to him that in order to do that, you either have to, what we require the counties to do is they can hire a commercial person to come in and do the work and um, do that. Or, you know, sometimes we understand that there's a time period there, or there might be a year where maybe it's not doable to have somebody come in and do that. Uh, we did offer to come in and review some of that work. Um, some of our own certified generals at the state level uh, reached out to Mr. Bishop and said, hey, in order to complete your commercial work this year, you need to have a certified general or someone designated to do that. And you didn't hire it out as a county. So if you'd like, we'll work with you um, to sign those off. Um, and uh, we just ne never touched base on that. And that was never done, which was one of the reasons that we you know, wrote wrote that up in a corrective action letter that we wrote is that um, he needed to either become designated or certified to do the commercial work or the county needed to hire that out. Like we're willing to do that and we're able to do that on a part-time basis, assist in that, but we don't have the time and the resources to provide that to every county that needs it every year. So what does your relationship and interaction with counties and the, their assessor's offices typically look like? Are you normally involved very much or are you kind of hands off so long as things are running smoothly and they don't need your assistance and you're just standing by in case they they have a need or they reach out or are you regularly checking in to make sh sure that things are operating as they should be we don't like to micromanage i mean i don't like to micromanage I, like you said we like to foster that independence we want counties to be able to run on their own and you know, really feel comfortable coming to us when there's issues. Um, our, we're involved heavily with them as far as like, no, you know, we talk to many of these counties uh, regularly. Uh, we get together a couple times a year at conferences. Um, we actually were putting this on in a couple of weeks where our education team puts on a two and a half day conference for all the assessors and their employees where they can come and we try to provide uh, breakout sessions and different tracks of here if you want to come learn about personal property here's four or five hours worth of personal six hours worth of personal property you can take here's some classes on state assessment here's some classes on how to administer property tax here's how to do mass appraisals come take these classes over two and a half day period so there's a lot of interaction that we have with the counties uh, quite regularly in education and assistance uh, we put together we're working on putting together some just monthly uh, webinar type things where uh, they can come and ask questions. Um, our county reps are assigned to, uh, they all have anywhere from three to five counties that they work with. Um, and they're, you know, working with them regularly. And depending on the need of the county, they may reach out once a month. They may reach out every week. Uh, if it's a newer assessor, we, you know, we may go visit the county weekly for a while to try to assist the, the new assessor. Um, if it's a well-seasoned assessor that uh, their office is running smoothly and we haven't seen any issues, um, we may only visit monthly or, you know, every four or six weeks, but uh, we speak to them regularly or, you know, Google Meet, or Google Meet, Zooms and those kind of things have been great in the ability to maybe um, lessen the travel, but also we recognize the importance of face-to-face, -face, um, being in the office and being there as assistants and uh, the main thing that we stress is that our employees build a relationship with the counties where the counties feel comfortable calling you and asking you for help when needed. That's, you know, so do you have that kind of relationship with them that 
if there's ever an issue, they can pick up the phone and say, hey, I need you in my county. Can you come here and help us? Okay, makes sense. So how long have you been with the State Tax Commission and what is, and in what capacities? Have you been in other positions and how did you get into that line of work in the first place? I started uh, with the Tax Commission back in 2010. Um, uh, I wasn't really sure what I was getting myself into, but I started actually in the Centrally Assessed State Assessed Group. Um, I kind of had a little bit of a background in real estate um, but not an appraisal necessarily. And so uh, it was all new to me. And I went through the process of becoming licensed and um, becoming a certified general appraiser. Uh, and I was over there for about three and a half years doing, uh, I did a lot of rock mines, sand and gravel pits. And the, you know that was kind of my area of expertise while I was over there. Um, and then a, a position opened up uh, doing tax rates. Um, and for those that don't know what tax rates is, that's usually the rate at which your, uh, your house is taxed at based, you know, you have a valuation, what your taxable value is, and that that's multiplied by a tax rate to calculate the taxes for each of the entities that you get taxed with. You know, you got your county, your school district, cities, um, we call those entities. And so you work with all the individual entities to set that rate and um, work on tax relief uh, for those that are in need. Um, so I kind of was over there. I was over there for three, three plus years and then was, had the opportunity to move up to be the manager of that group. And about um, right, right, I think a couple of months before COVID hit in 2020, um, had the opportunity to move up and become the director of uh, property tax. So, I, you know, originally that position was an assistant director position. Um, and that's kind of morphed as we've done some reorg and name changing. But uh, I've been with the state then since 2010 been in this current position uh, since the beginning of 2020 and got a great like I said great group of managers great employees that really want to do a great job really want to assist the counties and help them and um, I do get involved in legislation a little bit uh, you know our, our role in that process is not to dictate legislation or anything like that but anytime there's a, a bill that is involves property tax um, it usually comes across our desk and we take a look at it and say, is this something that uh, we can implement? Is this something that's administrable? Uh, what, what, what issues are going to be raised in order for us to, to do this? And we kind of give feedback to uh, the legislature on, you know, this is maybe what it's going to cost, or these are the, the complications that you may see if this bill were to pass. So we do get involved in that. Um, and then obviously at uh, my level, there's a lot of administrative things that need to happen reports. Um, and trying to provide the employees with things that they need to do their job, um, working to advocate for them on what can we do to assist them to get them the right technology and the right tools um, to be more efficient, more effective. Okay, interesting. So you've been at the State Tax Commission since 2010. So I understand if the the full history of what's happened in Carbon County in the past isn't really on your radar, hasn't been, or you're, you're not aware of that, but... I wonder if, in looking into these issues recently, if maybe you've you've looked at some of what's some of the history of our our taxation here. My question is basically, without talking about what's been going on since since 2020, when our current assessor was elected, or, or he started at the beginning of 2021. Prior to that, to your knowledge. Was there anything about Carbon County's property tax situation that was 
any in any way unique or different from other similar counties. For example, I've I've heard it said that assessed property values in Carbon County have maybe been lagging behind the rest of the state for years. Um, and as a result, our property tax rate has been an, an abnormally high percentage because the values were, were maybe artificially low or not keeping up with where they should have been. So the rate was higher in order to raise the necessary tax revenue. So do you know of, of anything that stands out uh, prior to this, this current assessor's term that seemed in any way different? Um, to be honest, uh, I'm not fully aware of any major issues that have taken place specifically with carbon. Um, to address a couple of the things you said, uh, I think sometimes here in the state we get hung up on the tax rate. Um, tax rate being high or being low, um, maybe it's higher than other places because that's really relative based on values. So you may have a, let's say you know you have an extremely high tax rate of one point five percent, but if that one point five percent and your average home value in your area is two hundred thousand, you know that's really you know you're paying one point five percent of two hundred thousand. Where if you're in Salt Lake and your average home value is four hundred thousand and your tax rate's one point three percent. You know, yeah, you have a lesser tax rate, but you're more likely paying a lot more in taxes because, you know, you know, uh, that is one frustration that I we see as we deal with budgets and tax rates and property taxes and values is that we get hung up on this rate. Um, we're a budget based state where the, the budget and the amount of taxes that that we pay is really based on the entities and their needs and what they do. So um, the rate's going to go, you know. The rate only goes up um, as dictated by the market and the values. And as um, the values are lower in an area, then you may have a higher rate based on the needs of the county and if the county, the school district entities need, uh, you know, whatever revenue they need or if they're increasing taxes, they're going to need to increase that budget, which then in kind increases the rate. So it's just the rate is really just a net effect of the whole of the rest of the process. It's an end product. Um, one issue that uh, we've been more than upfront about is um, we have this process called a detailed review. Um, the assessor's office is required to do a detailed review of characteristics once every five years on your home at minimum. So what that means is that at least every five years, the assessor should take a look at your house or your property and look at their system and say, do the characteristics um, and the data that I have in my system match what is on the parcel? Uh, do I have all the right improvements, the right uh, effective age, and those kind of things um, to verify because you can't have a good end product when you're doing mass appraisal if you don't have the characteristics correct. What, what had happened over time is we kind of got caught up in this lingo of calling instead of a detailed review of characteristics, we started calling it like a reappraisal area. And a lot of the counties were only doing one-fifth every year of just increasing or decreasing values based on the market. And so what that would mean is that your home's value might stagnate for four years. And then in that fifth year, um, if the market was increasing, you would see, you know, a large increase because the assessor hadn't touched it in five years in a, in a relatively slow, normal market. 
that may not be a big issue, right? Uh, if you're seeing only a one, two, three percent increase year over year, by the time they get to that fifth year, you know that now they got to increase your property ten to fifteen percent. That's not a huge shock to any of us usually. Um, okay, and most of the time you'd say, okay, that's fair. My value's been low for several years. I recognize it hasn't changed in several years. Um, this COVID situation that we have in this increased market really brought this flaw out in the way we were doing things and this this terminology that we were using that wasn't correct um that when you let's say your property was valued in 2018 and they were if they were doing this five-year cycle issue and then now all of a sudden in 2023 your your home you know is up for that five-year review you can imagine what kind of increase you would see on your property 100 percent, 150 percent, because we're seeing 20 and 30 percent increases year over year um, are you following? Does that make sense? And so that really became to our attention, like right away in 2020 and 2021. It was something that we we've been trying to address that we quickly fixed. Uh, the state auditor's office came out and did a report and findings and found that you know this was, and we we were very open with them and saying, yeah, look, this is something we're very aware of, and this is something that we're working to fix right now is changing the mindset and the terminology that we use. Uh, obviously, with our smaller counties. Um, this doing this one fifth every year was was a simpler way for them to do it because they may not have had the technology, the system, um, and to some extent the budgets and the staff to to you know you can't get out and do a whole county every year. Um, but that's a lack of understanding of how to do mass appraisal, and some of that's we we take responsibility for at the tax commission. That's okay. Now we need to shift, and we really need to assist and provide better education on how to do mass appraisal. So we're working to beef up our education classes to really focus on how, how do we teach them to do these mass appraisal processes. Um, as I said, we're putting together monthly webinars and discussions to go through the systems that they have and say, okay, how do, how do I do mass appraisal with my system? And how do I make this work? So, you know, just like anything else, I think when you have roller coasters, um, this roller coaster uh, of COVID in the market showed us how we can, what we should be doing differently, and we've shifted to do that. Um, and so that that that's one thing that um, I'm sure not only affected Carbon but many of the other smaller counties. And saying, hey, look, we gotta we gotta learn how to do mass appraisal better. We gotta make sure that we're update. It's called updating, like updating every parcel. Now that doesn't mean an increase. That doesn't mean a decrease. Um, the market is what dictates that. But that we're updating all parcels every year. Because what we want is a fair and equitable assessment. The assessor's job is to make sure that things are at fair market value. But in order for that to be equitable for all taxpayers, we need to make sure that all properties are fair and equitable every year and not just one-fifth, one-fifth, one-fifth. Because then at that point, you're saying, well, it's fair and equitable, but it's fair and equitable over a five-year period, which I probably am at fault in probably saying things like that in the past. Um, but understanding my job better and understanding what we can do better, saying we need to do that yearly. We need we need to be able to look at all parcels and say, does this area, does this specific town and city, does it, do we need to look at the market and does the market dictate a change needs to happen? And if so, then we need to make that change every year, not just um, in a cycle period. So that that's what we've been focusing on. Um, and like I said, carbon, you know, and the small, you know, a lot of the state, not just the smaller counties, we were uh, we were at fault for that. Um, and we've been trying to address that, but yeah, I don't know if that, I kind of 
took it maybe a different direction than what you were thinking about. Oh, no, that is exactly where I was planning to, to take this conversation. I mean, it's so interesting, all of the changes that have happened as a result of just the COVID era and this remote work revolution and the skyrocket skyrocketing property values that have resulted from all this. So as part of what I'm I'm trying to understand is you know how much of of this current situation that we find ourselves in is just due to these outside forces that nobody has any control over. You know, I I'm wondering if our current assessor just happened to inherit a particularly complicated time in office and is is dealing with problems that have resulted in these changes that are upsetting to a lot of people and are now being being blamed on him. People are looking for for someone to blame for that they just see these their property values and taxes seemingly going up and they don't understand why and they're they're looking for somebody to pin it on. I just want to try to understand the whole story and, and the full picture of what's been going on. You know, for example, I, I've spent a lot of time talking with all of my neighbors, uh, a lot of whom in the area where I live are are elderly folks who are retired. And, you know, some of them have lived here their entire lives or bought their house back in the 60s for, for like, in some cases, five or $10,000. And they cannot believe what their properties are now worth when, when I've tried to tell them and kind of explain the situation from from what I'm seeing they they don't believe it and you know again part of the breakdown in communication has to do with the fact that some of these folks are are elderly and living without even an inter- internet connection at home so they don't have easy access to information they they can't check out the current real estate listings and see what homes are selling for in the area and this generation too you know they they talk a lot. They, they're not on social media. They're mostly just ha- having in-person conversations with each other. And so that's, that's how some of the rumors have spread and the misinformation. So, yeah, I mean, it's just a really complicated situation. But do you feel that Carbon County has gone through anything different from what other similar counties in the state have gone through? And And how much of of the problems that we've been seeing lately are due to these external forces versus the, the mistakes of, of uh, our elected officials. You know, we're dealing with this in several of the counties, and I think maybe even statewide in all the counties, people will say this, that, like you said, I, I, you know, you tell people who you work for and immediately, oh, my, you know, what, my home's not worth that much, or they have it way too high. But the reality is they know if they go to sell it, it's probably low. Um, but we, we live in a non-disclosure state. Um, so when you buy and sell property, you're not required to disclose the price of the house. So, right, so we have assessors that, you know, the law states that they're required to keep properties at fair market value. Kind of seems like a, you know, how do you do that? Um, how, do you, how do you keep things fair and at the fair market value if you're not given information? Uh, we do have some access, limited access to the MLS in some places um, where you can get, you know, for the most part, residential sales if they're on there. Uh, we also send out sales surveys. And um, it's a voluntary survey that people can fill out and send back, you know. So anytime a property changes hands, you know, you might receive one of these sales surveys. And in returning it, what that does is just give us 
uh, the county assessor more information of like, what is the market doing um, in these areas so that I can make adjustments and try to keep things at fair market value as the statute requires. Um, and so that's one of the, the limitations that we're seeing is that, you know, that's hard. It's hard to keep up with that. Um, having commercial information is extremely, extremely difficult. Having um, residential information off the Wasatch Front uh, is extremely difficult. Um, but what we are seeing right now is that, um, as you said, people are moving to these more rural areas because they have remote work. You know, maybe I live close to Utah County and Utah Valley that uh, I can move down into Price and tele, you know, telework occasionally into there. And so I can live a couple hours away or 30 minutes away, only have to drive into the office once a week or once a month. Um, but what's happened in some of our smaller areas over the last couple of years, because I do think that the market has lagged behind for them a little bit, that usually I think the market increases in 21 and 20, 22, really hit the Wasatch Front, St. George and those kind of areas. We're still seeing a lot of those increases happening in the in the smaller counties right now. Um, so as, as the Wasatch Front has started to slow down a little bit, we're still seeing high increases in counties and it's you know, dependent on the area. It's not all, but, um, and also when people move here from out of state, um, as we've seen an influx of people, they don't know that we're a non-disclosure state. So uh, when they receive that cell survey, uh, they're more likely to fill it out. And, and, and you know, that which is great because it really gives us more information. And, and, and I know a lot of people might say, well, if I just don't fill out that information, things won't change. Well, that's not necessarily true. The best way to keep things fair and equitable is to have as much information as possible. And then that way, um, everybody's going to be, be at the same level. Um, like, like you said, we really struggle to get commercial information. So if we're having a hard time keeping commercial properties, which tend to be higher value properties where they need to be, um, that in essence creates a tax shift where uh, our, our, the residents are paying a higher burden of the taxes because we have more information to understand the market of the residential side of that. So that is one thing that definitely is happening right now. Um, but we work with, you know, every year um, the counties are required to pass their, what we call our sales ratio study, where we look at all the sales and market that we do have, and they're required to be within uh, a percentage in order to comply with the law. And so they are there um, and have been. Um, so the, our values are artificially low down there. I don't know if that's necessarily a fair other than they're just low compared to the rest of the state. And um, they could be maybe a little bit lower because we lack a little bit of information. And so but based on the information that we do have, they still meet those requirements and they're still within that range in order to pass that, that ratio study. All right. Well, I want to leave plenty of time to dive into the heart of the issue. The The main focus of this conversation is about our current situation. There's been a lot of controversy lately uh, surrounding our, our current assessor, Gillen Bishop. He was publicly criticized recently by our county commissioners for his job performance over these past almost three years since he was elected. But it, it sounds like, and I may be wrong, you can correct me if so, but whatever problems have, have arose that caused the state to become involved have happened mostly within this last year. So my question is, when did you first become aware that Carbon County was having some issues? 
and how did you get involved? What did that look like initially? And also, how rarely or often do counties have these kinds of issues come up? And what generally is the process that the state tax commission follows to try to help resolve them? The the commissioners, if I if I remember correctly, in the last commission meeting that I uh, at least that I was online for, um, they did express after Mr. Bishop had an opportunity to stand up and speak, they kind of went through a timeline of. Uh, events and kind of how they felt they had gotten where they had they had gotten, and I I felt that, that was a pretty accurate timeline. We we've been working with Mr. Bishop um, since he came there. We've been trying to assist him. We have a county rep assigned to Carbon County to work with him. Um, I started to receive some concerns um, as the assessment role um, that he completes. He's required to do that by May 22nd, and as that was buttoning up. Um, in 2022, um, near the end of May in 2022, there were some con- concerns brought to me about some possible errors in, you know, the characteristics of the properties. Things were changing. Um, people that had been working and seeing the data for a long time was were questioning why things weren't the same anymore, which that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Like you get uh, somebody that's newer in office. Um, it's maybe taken a couple years to for them to understand the job and as they start to understand the job they maybe understand that there's a better way to do things or a different way to do things or maybe they're finding prior mistakes i don't know there's i think there's a lot of answers for that so those things were being brought up and you know how do you deal with that like because there is that potential of um like you said maybe he's fixing things maybe things are going right so there was concerns though that um those kind of things were going on i i started to receive a lot of um phone calls and emails from taxpayers about um, his availability in the office and that they were struggling to get assistance um, in the, in the office whenever they tried to go in and visit. Um, So we just encouraged our our county rep at the time that, Hey, like we just need to ramp up our efforts a little bit, uh, be be a little bit more engaged and involved, make sure we're just, maybe we're there a little bit more often than we normally are or or would be. so we just and we we did sit down with 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 Gillen and and discuss like hey we need you to be more engaged we need you to be here. Um, his commission did express some um, some concerns about his availability and how much he was in the office, um, which that's hard, right? Like that's in the tax commission's purview. That's not our responsibility. Um, and so we were aware of some some management issues possibly within the office, um, but we're not there every day. Uh, I do know that his his staff turned over, and that that's difficult. You know, you have a new assessor that's only been there a couple of years. Um, there was four or five employees, and uh, you know, I think about a year ago, I don't have all the exact dates, but about a year ago, you know, basically you have four new four or five new employees, and so everyone there is pretty new, and that requires a lot of training requires a lot of hands-on to assist. This isn't something that you can just step into and know what you're doing right away. It does require your ability to ask for help and uh, be involved. And when it came time to close the assessment role, um, and this is now getting more into like this year. So I think there was some there were some potential red flags that were raised over a couple of years that um, kind of got our attention, um, got us a little bit more involved than we normally are. Um, and then those those red flags became some major concerns 
uh, at the beginning of June this past year. And the the data errors that were being brought up um, were becoming significant. Now there's a you know, the property tax process has a timeline. And in order to get things done properly in time for, uh, you know, in order not to mess up the next step, you know, there's, you know, you got to get things done before those deadlines. And so, you know, the assessor is required to close their assessment role May 22nd. Um, occasionally they ask for some extensions, which is understandable, um, where we'll give them, a, you know, another week or two if needed to kind of close that up. But the entities, the, going back to the schools, um, the cities, uh, any special districts that you have, they're required to set their budgets by the end of June. And in order to do that, we have to have the values all completed. So we can't set that rate. You know, understanding how the rate set is that's just an end product. Well, we can't complete that end product without all, you know, in essence, all the ingredients. And the main ingredient is that is the valuation. And so when that was brought to our attention, that there was a lot of concerns about uh, the data within uh, the 2023 assessment, um, specifically in a, a couple certain areas that involved uh, you know, a few thousand parcels. Uh, we had a couple people that were combing through the data for about three days a week, looking at it. You know, what can we decipher? Like we're not, we don't have time to come down there and visit all these properties. So like, what can we decipher from the data? Um, at that time, our conclusion was, is we're not really sure what's going on, but it just doesn't look right. Um, there are a lot of things have changed, uh, too many property characteristics and codes have changed from the prior year. Um, we need to relook at this and we really need to take a deeper dive into this. Um, and so in speaking with the commission, um, we, we supported their decision, um, both the tax commission and the local board of equalization, which is comprised of the commissioners have the authority under state statute to uh, make sure things that are fair and equitable. And so basically, if the if the county was unwilling to do it, we were going back to what we talked about at the beginning is we want to foster independence. We want counties to feel uh, empowered to make decisions on their own. And, and the commission was willing to do this. Uh, they felt the same way. So we backed them in that decision, but they used their legal authority to um, make the decision that a lot of the work that was done during 2023 needed to uh, be taken back. That we need, in order to really do what we felt was fair and, and you know, whether or not 2022 was right either, but basically what we did was we had to take several thousand parcels and kind of go back into the data system and just revert it back to what it was in 2022, as far as like the characteristics, what the value was, then after we did that, then we applied a mass adjustment based on that sales ratio study. So we can then look at the sales. Okay, say where these parcels are, a couple thousand parcels are, the sales and the data dictate a percent increase. So we just reverted that, you know, we didn't just go in and value those properties. We basically reverted them back to 2022 and then just applied a mass adjustment to them based on the sales. We felt at that time, given the two-week time period that we had to make this, these decisions and, and, and come up with it, that that was more fair than what was previously done. And our corrective action letter that was read in, read in the commission meeting uh, highlights that. And 
dictated that we were going to do a further audit to determine um, whether or not basically this detailed review area that he was going to do in 2023 and whether or not it needed to be done. And we did do a further audit later on in the summer when we had more time. And we feel that that whole 2023 area needs to be redone. Um, I don't think it's necessarily due to incompetences, as you mentioned earlier. I just think it's due to a lack of education um, and uh, the, a new staff um, attention to detail and paying attention um, to what's going on. And do they understand how to use the current, what we would call a camera system or a mass appraisal system called Puma? Do they understand how to use that? Um, and so we would just hope that they would as we said, we build those relationships. We hope that they will contact us and ask for assistance and ask for ways to do that. And we feel like some of that was lacking and that a lot of things were being done without um, understanding on how to do it. So in just reviewing that, and the, and the county has taken the steps currently to um, hire um, some f people to come in and help fix that. And the people that they've hired are, in my opinion, uh, very um, capable and been around a long time to understand how mass appraisal works. They're um, very uh, proficient in Puma and how to work. And so the office could benefit highly in, you know, being hand-on trained. Um, you know, as I said, like we have the time here at the tax commission to provide a lot of assistance and education, but we also don't have the time and the amount of the re uh, resources to be there every day. Um, and the law allows the county or the state to hire um, people to come in and do work. And the commission has, um, just as they made this decision back in June to revert those and use their statutory authority, they've used their statutory authority and we've backed them in that, in hiring people to come in and help train and fix that. And we think that if um, the, the office is willing to learn from these individuals they've hired, that um, that we can just find out what the issues are and fix them. Um, you know, not necessarily trying to place blame other than it's not right. Um, and just what can we do to fix it? We want, we want this to work. And the best way for it to work is for everyone to work together. Um, that's in the best interest of the taxpayers, um, you know, which is the end goal here, is that we want taxpayers to feel like they're being treated fair and equitably. We want taxpayers to feel like they can look at their tax bills, uh, their valuation notices, and and that the data is correct and that the value is as close to fair market value as possible. And in doing that, that, you know, everyone's being taxed at a fair and equal rate and that's the end goal. And so if people are willing to work together to do that, that's what we want. And we want, you know, the assessor's office to be successful because um, if not, then we're just, you know, having problems down the road and it does take everybody working together to do that. Right. I'd like to take a few minutes just to try to recap and summarize the whole problem, at least as I understand it, from my perspective, based on the meetings that I've attended, the conversations that I've had. I, you know, I spent some time interviewing Gillen, getting his side of the story. And so from what I can see, I feel like there are actually there are a set of different problems that that are not necessarily all all totally relevant to to the what the main issue is now 
So, so for example, in the recent commission, meet, commission meeting uh, two or three weeks ago, the commissioners were criticizing Gillen for his job performance, and a lot of that criticism had to do with the fact that he hasn't been in office as much as he should be. Gillen's response to that was that, you know, he thinks there's maybe just a cultural differences between a new, you know, younger and older generations as far as how they operate and how how business operates, especially in a, you know, post-COVID with remote work becoming the norm. He feels like it's normal to not be physically present in the office 40 hours a week when he as an independent elected official is is just actively trying to figure out the best way to go about his job and his duties. He's figuring out what to pay attention to, what meetings to attend. But he claimed that he's made himself as available as he possibly can. He's tried to be transparent about his schedule and where he is and when. He says anyone is able to look at his schedule online and book an appointment with him. So at least... From what I can tell, I, I feel like maybe there's just a little bit of a miscommunication there. There's some cultural differences. That's that's kind of its own issue. Um, the accusation or criticism that he's not been a team player and not cooperated well with the commissioners and the rest of the county government, his response to that was he feels that he really needs to maintain his independence and impartiality so that he can do his job in the most fair and equitable way possible. So from his perspective, this seemed to be about his integrity and not wanting to be inappropriately influenced by other parties in government. So that kind of, that made sense to me. So those, those are separate from what seems to be the, the main issue is what has taken place in the last year with the discrepancies in property values and and the changes that he has made, whatever they are, that have resulted in the, all, all of this confusion and the need for the state to step in. So that seems to be its, its own issue to me. And from what I can tell, the main problem is that that Bishop and his office waited to the last minute to submit this information and close their, their tax rolls and get it turned in on time. You know, the fact that they didn't get it done on time and had to ask for an extension, that kind of created a domino effect of other problems and complications. I think if we could go back in time and change one thing, or if he could he could have avoided this, it, it would have been to just try to get ahead of the ball and and reach out for help sooner. So that that seem does seem like valid criticism and what I see as as the the, the main problem. Uh, you know, the fact that he waited till the last minute for whatever reason, and this, this deadline came up and, you know, the information wasn't, wasn't matching up. There were red flags. There were issues that required the state to get involved. It required the county commissioners in their role as the board of equalization to step in and make some changes. So at that point, there were all these cooks in the kitchen and there was no time to really to really suss out what was going on there was an emergency situation where decisions had to be made and the communication broke down and 
and Gillen was basically being being overridden by by the the state tax commission and and the board of equalization. So so that that does seem like you know where the the main breakdown happened. But anyway, is all that in your in your view a, a somewhat accurate summary? Um, am I missing some things? Is there anything I said that you, you feel that you would disagree with? Yeah, I think that's and that's I mean. I don't know if you've actually been able to read that document, uh, the corrective action orders. I mean, that's really a lot of what we discussed was um, lack of communication from the office, um, a willingness to ask for assistance. And, th- and this is something that, you know, we've heard from many different avenues, not, not just us, but from software, people that own the software and, and do things. It's, hey, I, I reached out and was willing to help, but nobody reached out. Um, I forget from, you know, four or five different, areas which that's that's the concern right like people are here and willing to help um and when things are waited till the last minute when we were willing to help months ago and then now all of a sudden we're supposed to sign off on something that doesn't look right where had we done that um there is a lot of concern as well um and it's ongoing right now with procedural issues like our proper procedures being followed or what and how the appeal process takes place and stipulations on how um, Greenbelt is processed, Greenbelt applications are processed and exemptions are processed. And there's a lot of concern um, that just the proper procedures and, and the way the statute reads, that those aren't followed properly. Um, so, I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of concern there. There's a lot of concern about what's going on. And that's where we really feel like if we were allowed to, in to help there's uh i don't know how to state that um we just feel like we're we're being kept at a har- arm's length until you know until you're needed until you're needed and by then it's too late um and so uh that's why we, you know in that corrective action letter we mentioned like hey like we need you to like you said be on top of things we need you reaching out to us months before so that we can run error checks so that we can check things a lot of the processes that we've put in place um, for the other counties and trying to develop relationships and our audits and data checks that will work with you throughout the year uh, regularly to see if you're doing things right um, to check and see where you're at with your sales ratio and where your market's at and so really by April or May, we're just running a few little error checks and check, checking anom- anomalies and things like that, rather than hey, it's May twenty second. Oh crap! I haven't talked. How, how does this look? Well, you're not going to pass. You're not compliant. Well, what do I need to do to be compliant? Well, here's this. Um, so there's there's a lot of concerns. There's a lot of miscommunication, um, and the trust amongst everybody involved has deteriorated to almost nothing. And when that isn't there um then it makes it almost impossible for anybody to get anything done correctly uh and and to trust that the work is being done correctly so uh is carbon county capable of um meeting the demands of of our corrective action um absolutely but i think in order to do that i think they put some things in place and it's going to require everyone to work together and it's going to require that the assessor's office work very very closely with the people that the county has hired to be trained and um, do those kind of things so like i said i don't necessarily think it's based on incompetence at all i don't think he's he's a licensed appraiser that understands appraisal um but there's nuances to the job 
um, in doing mass work and understanding it's not as just as simple as putting a value on a house. You're dealing with exemptions. You're dealing with uh, greenbelt applications. You're dealing with um, primary versus secondary homes. You're dealing with uh, nonprofit companies trying to apply for exemptions. Um, how does that work? What does the statute say? Whose responsibility it is? And um, I've been doing this job now for, you know, since 2010, and I'm learning all the time. There's always things that I didn't understand that I trying to understand more clearly. Um, and as I, I was more than open about that, even, you know, myself over the last three or four years been kind of opened up a little bit like, oh, man, I've been talking about this wrong. I've been doing this wrong. How can I do this better? And with property tax and the laws that we have, it's revolves yearly based on new laws that take place and things like that and trying to stay up to date and making sure that those procedures are followed because if we're not following the legal procedures um to some extent sometimes we may uh, not give the taxpayer their proper due process and in order to ensure their rights we need to make sure that we're following the process right so that they have proper appeal periods and you know rights to um when you know knowing when they can file an appeal when they can file an application when's it due and those kind of things there's a lot of a lot of revolving parts and um i think a lot of people say property tax is never boring uh, because it just changes changes yearly and uh, the general timeline the general idea of it stays the same but uh, little things throughout it change regularly and we got to stay on top of that and I, you know, that requires a lot of communication and assistance. And our, you know, our county reps are constantly on the phone, and I'm constantly on the phone with us. Hey, what do you think? Oh, I have this. I have this issue. What do you think? Um, am I doing this right? And that ability to bounce those ideas, and even with me, like sometimes I, sometimes I, you know, you call people and say, like, hey, am I thinking about this right? Am I doing this right? And I think sometimes that's been lacking down there, and we. You know, we, we described that in that letter that was read and would hope that that would get better and, and that the county can improve. Like you said, we want, we want the office to be successful and that's in the best interest. And I've told that, I've told that to Mr. Bishop, I've told that to the commission that, um, in the best interest of the county and its taxpayers, having the, the assessor's office be successful is, is the best option. Um, because. Uh, if not, then it just becomes a mess and it drags out. And I don't think anybody wants that. So I want to dive just a little bit deeper into this and really try to give Mr. Bishop uh, a fair trial in this court of public opinion, because he's received a lot of public criticism and there are people calling for his resignation. Now he's taking a lot of the heat for, for whatever problems we're having now. So I just want to try to thoroughly understand what has happened from his perspective and try to try to play devil's advocate a little bit to, to see if, if there's some part of the story that, that we're missing. So I just wonder, you know, for somebody like him coming into office and replacing a, a previous elected official, I, Mr. Bishop, for one thing, seems to me like, like a hardworking person. I mean, on the record, he's met with hundreds of people individually who have, requested a meeting with him trying to appeal their their property value so so I, I i don't think it's you know the problems that have re happened are a, a result of him not doing enough work he's clearly 
trying to do the job to the best of his ability. He also strikes me as an intelligent person, so I, I it's hard for me to think that the mistakes that have been made are surely due to incompetence. Uh, uh, so I, I just wonder, you know, if I'm putting myself in his shoes, coming into office, if I'm finding what I see according to my knowledge and training appear to be errors and mistakes, and I'm trying to fix them, especially when, say, property owners are going through this appeals process, coming to me saying that they think their their property value or or you know something about their tax assessment is incorrect and they're asking me asking him to fix it um you know i imagine he's he's just doing the best that he can but if he's finding what he sees as errors and he's trying to fix them that that could be creating a lot of discrepancies so so if somebody is, is appealing their property value and he does make an adjustment or a change and now that's, that is no longer in accordance with other similar properties and so when an auditor or the state tax commission comes in and tries to make sense of this data and they're seeing that these values are all over the place, that you know similar property types for whatever reason just aren't matching up, you know, I, makes sense why why there it would appear that there's a lot of errors but i i wonder if this is just the result of him you know one one by one trying to go through and update things to be more accurate you know according to to how he he sees them so so for example i'm i'm going to butcher this uh and trying to explain it and but one thing that bishop had explained to me was as an example, there are there are condos, uh, properties where, say, several property owners have a shared lot, but they own only individual condos or units within a building. And he said that prior to his coming into office that there was some kind of error where the condo owners were being were being taxed for the the value of the land the full value of the land that the building was on where, you know, as when they're owning just, just a portion of the building, they have access to the land, but they're not necessarily responsible for it as, as a land owner. So he told me that was one change that he made trying, trying to update this to be more in accordance with, with the law. So is this, do you think that there are part of these changes are just growing pains that the county is going through and that you know Bishop inherited this complicated time in office but he's doing the best he can or is there more to the story is uh is it really that he hasn't gotten the help that he needed and there are parts of the job that he isn't fully trained to do and that part of his mistake is his unwillingness to ask for help and reach out and get assistance. Um, but, but what are your what are your thoughts overall on that? You know, and and just similar situations where assessor a, a new assessor comes in replacing an old one, and and they see changes that need to be made. Um, 
does this usually result in similar growing pains and and disagreements? Um, yeah, you, I mean, you would hope so. You would hope that um, if you recognize that um, your own work or maybe a predecessor had done something that you disagreed with and that it needed major changes across the board, that um, I know if I were doing something like that, I would probably bounce it off a few people. Um, you know, if I were in that shoes, I would probably call a few assessors saying, hey, like, how do you deal with this? Like, how, how, am I, did the, is this done right? Or am I right in my thinking? Like, what do you think? You know, uh, not everybody is on this Puma system that we've talked about where we're getting to the point where we're slowly getting all the counties on it. But I would call somebody who is proficient in that system that I'm on and say like, hey, like this is the property tax code I'm using. This is what I'm seeing with my condo units. How are you guys doing this? How are you treating it? So I definitely would make that call. Um, I would hope that they would involve our county rep um, and calling them up and saying, hey, like, what is your recommendation? What are you seeing from the other counties that you assist? Um, that is re- really regular with some of, some of our county assessors that they call up and they, they they talk through these things and make sure that, hey, I'm about to make a major change like in, in the processes that we're doing or in how we're categorizing things. Like, is that a good idea? Um, you know, if you were to catch those things during an appeal, this is the hard part, right? Like you're doing mass appraisal. Um, in essence, you're not going to get it all right. Like let, let's, you know, let's say you make a mass adjustment and this is hoping that you have all the characteristics right and that the land is correct. And um, you make a mass adjustment to a certain type of property or a certain type of area by 10%. Well, not every single home is going to be go from 90% to 100%. You may have had homes at 85 and 87 and 94. Well, that 94 home is now going to be increased 10%. So now they're above 100%. But that's why we do have the appeal process and uh, is that the people can come in and that you hope that you will work with people. Um, there, were, there was some concern this year about how the appeal process was taking place and whether or not the follow-up proper procedures were taking place and that you know, when you come in that you are required to file an appeal with the auditor. At that point, once an appeal is filed, um, then you can have a discussion with um, the assessor's office to say, hey, here's my evidence. And then the assessor can look at their evidence and say, oh, well, based on your evidence, but it, it, it's, you know, it shouldn't just be like, oh, let's take a look at it and uh, let's see if we can bring it down. Like it, it should be brought based on the evidence presented. And so you would, you know, there were some things in that process that didn't work exactly right this year, that uh, things weren't done properly. And there's some concerns there that hopefully we can address and fix. Um, But if you ever do, um, right, like let's say you have a subdivision. uh, One one individual within a subdivision or an HOA comes in and says, hey, I want to appeal. Here's my evidence. And that evidence shows that maybe the rest of that area was done wrong and it's based off of like the way it was categorized. Not So that's where we have to d- differentiate between like a data error and like an opinion of value. Uh, a lot of times when you're dealing with opinion of value, you're just going to disagree. That's the point of appraisal. And do you have uh, the, the information and the, the sales to back up your value? But sometimes you might say like, oh, well, I recognize that I coded your property um, as this and that increased your value but if i fix it because it was wrong it's a clear data error that your value will be lowered oh 
And while I'm doing that, I recognize that I did that with all the homes in your subdivision. They have the authority to go back and fix that. Um, if it's a, you know a factual data error that needs to be fixed, um, but sometimes you know it's not necessarily a data error or a factual error, and it's just a an opinion of value. And maybe there's some sales that were brought to the attention of the assessor's office that uh, we were unaware of. Like you said, because we're in non-disclosure state, that maybe we didn't have all the information, and um, that some more information was brought forth after the fact. And based on that, yeah. Let's let's lower the value because um, my mass appraisal process was a little overstated for your individual house or parcel. All right. Well, my my last question to start to wrap up this conversation is is about the future. Where do we go from here? How how do how do we solve this? I want to know where do things stand currently, and from your perspective, what in what capacity will your office continue to be involved or provide oversight? And, you know, just from your, your judgment as, as this external third party, what do you think is going to be the most productive way forward from here? What needs to happen on the part of Mr. Bishop and the commissioners? Uh, how do we fix this situation? And are there any lessons that, we can learn from what has happened so that this doesn't repeat in the future next year or, you know, lessons that other counties can learn from. Uh, as far as Mr. Bishop is concerned, you know, he's got another year left in his term before he's up for reelection. Uh, a lot of people are calling for his resignation now from what I've, I've seen. Um, but, whether they like it or not, they're they're stuck with him until the next election because it sounds like it's not possible to fire an elected official or you know to to impeach them or whatever. I, I actually heard that our our state house representative Christine Watkins at some point introduced legislation to to try to pass a law that would allow for elected officials to to be fired. I. I don't think it was in response to this particular situation, just that at some point she had tried to get this law passed, but seemingly there was no interest in it. So, so according to the law, you know, where the, our elected officials have to complete their terms and, and can't be voted out after the fact or, or fired by, by the voters or the county commissioners or anyone else. So, so Bishop's got another year left in office. So I'm wondering, you know, how can how can he do take take what has happened, learn from this experience and do a better job next year? Can we get ourselves back on track? And and also for on for the property owners and and voters in Carbon County, is there anything that we can do to prepare ourselves for what's ahead? Should we be adjusting our expectations? Is there some role that we can play in, in trying to chart a more productive way forward? Um, what do you think? What's How do we move forward from here? Um, so, so Gillen has, um, he has complied with some of the things so far. I mean, he's gone and, you know, as we talked about those de designations and accreditations that you need, um, one of which was that him or someone in his office needed to be 
designated to do personal property that you've taken a class and that you've passed um, our tests in order to show that you understand how personal property, business personal property should be assessed. And he has gone through that process, him and one of his employees. So they, they've met that. Um, the current, one of the current things that we asked to do is for them to either become uh, certified or designated to do that commercial work or the county hires. Um, it wasn't necessarily required for Gillen to do that. The county has hired someone to do the commercial work. So uh, Gillen's not necessarily required to go get that that designation, but we we would still encourage that because down the road, if, if he's still here, that that would be valuable to the county. Um, he is uh, in an area in which he could still do that. Um, it's going to take some work to do that, but that could be done. Um, I think in order for them, you know, we have these five points that you'll see when I send you the corrective action that he needed to comply with. And um, I think a lot of them are still up in the air and it is going to rest solely in my mind on him on whether or not he wants to be successful and comply with those that he is going to have to work with the people the county has hired county commissions hired and learn from them and lean on people's expertise uh now could we all do better at communicating could we all do better at being more sympathetic and understanding absolutely um I'm not going to say I've done everything or said everything right during this process, but um, in order for the county to be successful at this point, uh, the plan has been put in place. Um, they've hired really great, credible people. And if the assessor's office would like to get to a functioning point, um, that these people can really assist them and help them and lean on us to to provide um, you know the areas of how does the process work and statute and procedures um, when you receive uh, different applications and appeals and how does this work? Um, that's where we really come in and we can shine and showing you this is how it should be done when it comes to the nuts and bolts of the system. Um, and, and, you know, the day, uh, the daily procedures of how do you collect this data and how do you enter it into the computer? That's where these people that they've hired could really assist and provide that. And if, and if that's what, they want to do to be successful, then, then they're going to have to really lean on that. Um, and so it's really, um, can it be done? Yeah, but it's, it's up to them. It's up to that office and it's up to the assessor. And we'll, like you said, we want them to be successful. So we'll, we'll help them do that if that's what they, the direction they want to go. Um, I do, I, I, I'm a strong believer in kind of like our, our greatest strengths, our greatest weaknesses, kind of as you were talking about earlier, that, um, maybe due to just, um, uh, I can't remember the words you were using. That uh, wanting to do things on your own, um, being proud. Being prideful. I think, you know, I think there's a difference between being proud and being prideful, right? It's kind of the same thing, but where we go from being, I'm really proud in how I do things, and being prideful in it, um, where we're now unwilling to accept help. And you know, a lot of those qualities are probably some of the things that make Gillen really good at what he does, and and where he's gotten to where he's he's at. But some of those things may be standing in the way, um, and accepting our help and allowing us to come in and, and assist them the way that we need to in order for that office to be successful. All right. Well, thanks so much, Josh, for talking. I learned a lot in this conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to explain all of this. And I hope that in sharing this publicly, it will 
at least save you some phone calls from other concerned Carbon County residents in the future. And, you know, likewise, I hope that the Carbon County commissioners are saved some work and trying to explain this to, to everyone that they come into contact with who wants to know what's going on. And, you know, that that's my hope is that this can help increase transparency and make make this information more available. So thanks for, for educating me and uh, taking the time. Uh, you know, obviously, I don't want to be on the phone all day, but I, I like assisting the taxpayers. I like when you can have conversations back and forth um, and help them understand the process because it is complex. Uh, you know, I, you know, if I weren't doing this job, I probably wouldn't understand it either. So trying to help taxpayers understand that. and uh, have, I've had some great conversations about taxpayers across the state and with Carbon. And so I'm happy to do that if they reach out and trying to understand because um, I, I'm a taxpayer as well. I understand what it's like and the frustrations of of you know paying taxes and values going up and am i paying too much why is this why does this school district keep raising taxes on me like that that i deal with that too and it's frustrating and so anything i can do to make it a little easier for people i, I, I do enjoy that yeah well like i said this was really informative for me I, I learned a lot and i think there are other people out there who will find this this as interesting as i do and and are wanting to understand more and those are the people who will end up passing along some of this information to those who don't have the interest to listen to uh, an hour and a half long podcast conversation. But, you know, I think, I think the word word will spread. So that's my hope anyway. I mean, I'm doing this just because I, I love Carbon County. I've been here for five years now and this place is home for me. It's the only place I've ever lived that has really felt like home. And so I'm, I'm trying to find ways that I can get involved and looking ahead to the future. I, I want to figure out what I can do to make this, you know, to improve my community and try to improve the quality of life for everybody. Uh, so I hope that people will receive this, this podcast and, and this work that I'm trying to do, you know, understanding that intention that I'm, I'm trying to come from a good place. I'm trying to just increase understanding, transparency, help help the flow of information, help to kind of shut down some of the unhelpful rumors and misinformation. And so, yeah, you know, I'm just kind of stumbling my way through this, figuring it out as I go. But I appreciate you being one of my first guests and helping to untangle this complicated situation that's been such a hot topic here recently. I, I hope this will be helpful. I hope people will, will appreciate this. Before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to say? Any common questions that have been asked of you that, that you'd like to respond to, things I didn't ask, or any any parting message that you'd like to, to leave listeners with? I guess just the, the message would be is that we're working to do everything we can to make this uh, work out for the taxpayers. Like that's, that's the end goal. The decisions that we're making, hopefully, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll look back and hopefully, uh, you know, I'll learn, I'll learn from it. Am I going to do everything right? No. And so I think all the processes and the, and the hard times that we go through are learning experiences. And, um, but we are trying to do our best to provide uh, the best assistance and quality of, 
property tax process for the taxpayers of Carbon, and we'll continue to work with the assessor's office to help them be compliant, to help them be successful. We'll continue to work with the commissioners to do what's best, and and we hope that the that the end result will show that that we're we're advocating for the taxpayer. That's that's what the taxpayer deserves to be treated fairly. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking, Josh. I look forward to meeting you in person someday. Have a good night. Yeah, you too.